Hello, and welcome to episode two of 26.1, getting all students over the finish line. My name is Jabez Labrette, your host, and today we have the awesome fortune of interviewing Kati Gestabi to talk a little bit about happiness and authenticity and what that means to bring that into education, students' lives, and our future success. Kati has an amazing background as a former attorney with the Security and Exchange Commission. She is an advisor to high-profile and high-power executives, and she teaches them how to be more authentic and wake up and be ready for their day to inspire their team to embrace who they are, where they are, where they're going in life, and what they want to accomplish. These are some amazing lessons for students, teachers, and all of us alike to learn. And we are really honored today to have Kati on the show. So please enjoy the interview, and thank you for tuning in to 26.1. So thank you for taking time today. You're welcome. And if you could start uh, by introducing yourself. Sure. My name is Katy Gostaspi, and um, I run a consulting company globally. And what else would you like to say about myself? What's the name of your company? Oh, Purist Consulting. And what is Purist Consulting? So here at Purist, really, um, we've had many iterations as a marketing person, you'll appreciate we've gone through one version and the next version and new brands. Um, but for years now, it's a global consulting company where I work with companies who have employees um, that they're willing to invest in their employees to figure out who they are and why they're there and uncovering all their natural skill sets so that they can be better employees, drive productivity and retention rates that way. But also the company then powerfully grows with intention according to a plan uh, centered around all the employees. And so the strategy and operations works and everything falls in line. So then you have a pretty, um, I'd say maybe a unique perspective because on like staffing and employees and teams and culture, company cultures, because you work with so many different types of organizations and right. So like you're, I'm imagining you're working throughout a year with a, a lot of different companies. Varies. Um, I'm company agnostic, organization agnostic. Um, oftentimes I say, if you have people, then we could offer you a solution, frankly, because it's all about the human that people bring to work with them every day. And that's all it's about. And that could be in any organizational structure. And in fact, also, it becomes one of my issues, as I was telling you earlier, like today I was in, um, well, might as well just say it in AAA. And I'm like, man, if they would just hire me, we can clean this stuff up because you cannot be saying that. You cannot be doing that. And this employee does not look like anyone's had any kind of interaction with them in terms of how we sell, why we sell, what our brand promises, and how to interact with um, your population, your target audience. So how do you capture all of that? you go back to the essence of who people are at their core and why they're there and that it's not just a job that it's not just you know something to pay the bills it's about them and we find that people don't focus on the people the human element everyone wants to be nurtured and cared for and loved and we don't get that anywhere growing up much less at work so if you're listening triple a 
I think that we have an opportunity for you here. You heard you heard it here. This is. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure that the in the show notes you can get you can get a hold of Kathy there because there's. An I don't know how many organizations here. I've offered that to. I'm like, you don't have to hire me, but hire somebody like me. I don't know who to send you to, but this cannot be okay. And they're like. I'm like, yeah, this is my organic marketing push just because I, when I see it's broken, I'm like, somebody's got to fix this. I'm, I'm picturing you standing across from a teller, like who just <laughs> rang up your transaction. You're like, looking, you, you got to hire somebody. And they're like, ma'am, I, 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 I make I, minimum wage exactly. here. <laughs> I've been here for a month and, and a half. And that's so funny. <laughs> I often say that too. I'm like, look, I know your daddy doesn't own this company and you don't either, but you care about your job, right? You care about longevity. I, I just should stop, you know. But I, somebody said it. They're like, you're just so passionate about what you're doing, about people being better versions of themselves. And I think that's what keeps me up at night. Like I was just standing there today at the AAA counter looking at this guy going, wow, like that makes me sad that yeah. he operates that way. And somebody says it's okay for him to operate that way within the confines of any organization that's making money. Or, or not, right? But really, like you're taking people's money and that's what you're giving them back. Like that's not okay. And it's just a human, you know, like he's not being empowered or equipped. Exactly. To... The, the inhumanity of that for him, you're right. And at the end of the day, it's more about him than it is the service they're offering because, yeah, what are we doing with people? How are we raising better people? We're yeah. always about raising children, but the ones that are already out there need some kind of support too. Because then they're going to go have more children. <laughs> ah, the cycle continues. <laughs> the cycle continues. I, you know, it, it, it's interesting. When, when we were having coffee a, a little while ago, and we were talking about a similar kind of um, uh, the mindfulness of the person on the other side of the conversation or the other mm -hmm. side of the interaction uh, or the other side of the counter. And something that struck me about your perspective that you bring is that people aren't present in the moment mm -hmm. and is that something that is new or have people always not really been present in the moment are we in a time now where we're less present than we used to be so that's an excellent question you ask i i believe it's the latter we're just becoming less and less present i'm not sure we ever were fully present um, because I think fundamentally as humans, we've never quite understood what should drive us, right? What should drive us? I love this country and this is my country and all the opportunities I've had, but anything that's purely from a capitalistic perspective, I think people forget what should drive them. Yes, go out there and earn a living and do good for yourself and be a success, however way you define that, and that can be monetary. But what really drives you at the end of the day? Shouldn't it just be, are you happy or not? And if you truly stop and thought about that, if you stopped and think about just happiness, then being present would be what would account for being happy or not, right? But because we don't want to really focus on ideally what is our right as a human to be just happy, we focus on the materialistic stuff, which then drives this lack of presence because we're going after something rather than looking inside at what's enough and am I happy? Hmm. 
that's it's almost seems and people say this that's too basic that's just too nerdy that's just too like who, who drives that from that place well because it's painful to go there so to answer your question it's painful to focus stop and be present and look at are you happy and so we focus on the end game which is money rather than happiness and that drives lack of presence and so then everything feeds into that um over texted, over tweeted, over caffeinated is what I say we are. Mm. And hey, I love a good cup of coffee. More power to the large institutions that are selling 10 cent cup of coffee for $4. Hey, I love those margins. Love those margins. <laughs> I'm a business person. That's the thing. I am by no means, when I get hired in organizations, I'm by no means like, oh, let's all just hold hands and be happy. I'm like, no, we got to drive the margins. We got to have an intentional plan. It's got to fit into your strategy and your operations. But at the end of the day, you've got to keep the your eye on what matters. And that's, are your employees happy? Are you sleeping well at night? Because mm. these are the symptoms I see. Yeah. The, the CEOs, I'll never forget one. He was like, I, I can't sleep at night because I sit and I think about 3,500 employees. It could be 35. It could be three that I have to feed every day mm -hmm. and all their families that I have to feed every day. A lot no, of pressure. it's a lot of pressure, and it, I really had a lot of respect for him. But I stop and I think back to what you were saying. It's not fair to him. And then how did that cycle perpetuates on the employees? I don't know. I didn't get into it with him because he sold and left. He said, "I just can't deal with this." Yeah, it was a very successful business too. So um, people are not present, and we're now coming back around to that because they're so not present. So if you've heard of Esther Hicks. Um, um, who else? A lot of people are now coming around to talking about, are you just fundamentally happy? And that's the emotional marketing that I teach. Yeah, there's a, a, a couple of things that I think are interesting. And, and you can look at the cross-section of the, the t professional years that we have once we get, you know, graduate from wherever. And then the way that we got there and the path and journey that we took to get to those professional years. And uh, one of the things that you said is, you know, obviously being happy is I think incredibly important and I 100% agree. Sometimes where I am isn't where I chose to be, mm -hmm. it's where I have to be. Absolutely. So there's a piece of this puzzle that I would like to kind of tease out, which is if I'm there because I have to be, how do I find happiness in that moment? Excellent question. And then there's also this this other idea of we we substitute, when we're not happy, we begin to substitute things. And so it could be pressures, right? So I'm thinking like even high school students could be mm -hmm. under immense pressure mm -hmm. around testing, mm -hmm. around what college am I going to get into or am I even going to get into college under, you know, grades, under pressure it's from home. Example. all sorts of pressures, business executives, college students. I mean, professionals, teachers, you know, any anybody can feel pressure from all sorts mm -hmm. of sides. So mm -hmm. managing um, the pressure, understanding that we are – all kind of sometimes stuck in a moment where we, we didn't ask to be there, but that's where we have to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do we what do we do with that? Like, how do we balance those things? It's an excellent point. And I think your example of high school students is, is critically important. I, I remember those years really well. I'm 47. How I remember so vividly those years. Because not only realized, was I developing who I was as a person and fundamentally finding myself which is ironic because I work with adults in, in organizations and they're still working on that because it's a process. But because I was trying to figure out what I had to do to get to the next step of success, it was harder for me to discover myself. So I think like that, it, it, it slowed down the process of self-discovery. 
But everyone is at a place right now, you're absolutely right, where it impedes happiness. Really. Like, I have to deal with this stuff. Like, my mother, personally, for me, she's terminally ill, right? We've been going through this for a year and a half. And every time we think the end is coming up, you know, something happens. So it's it's been a roller coaster ride. So does that mean for a year and a half, I subject all the people around me and all my clients, not to mention myself and my family, to sheer misery because my mother's terminally ill? Now, I use that example because it's such a, like... A big one. Mm-hmm. I find most people, you know, don't have examples that measure up to that level of how depressed could I be. But I don't look at it that way because truly it is a moment by moment. I'm not ignoring it. Yes, in this moment, sitting here with you, my mother's still terminally ill and she can barely move anymore. However, that's not what's going on in this moment. I can look at that or I can look at sitting here with you and having a really nice conversation and connecting with another human being. So I think happiness is um, a gradient in how we look at it. And I get so many clients that when I say emotional resonance factor, that's my program, you must emotionally resonate with your audience as a brand, as who you are, okay? That means what? That means you must be happy. And they're like, they raise their hand. I'm a divorce lawyer, or I'm going through a really rough time. How can you ask me that question or give me that to do homework, just like you're asking me? And I say, you just must be happier than that person, one level happier, which means you don't get pom-poms. You don't need to wear a clown nose and be jumping up and down. Uh, I mean, the human levels of emotional tone don't even work that way. You can't go from depressed to happy. You can go from sad to neutral to some version of happy. I mean, emotionally, we can't shift that fast and be authentic anyway. So if you're just a little bit happier than the guy sitting in front of you and offer hope, whatever that means in terms of happiness, you're good to go. Because why? Because you emotionally then resonate with me because your tone is higher than I am. And in that moment, that uplifts me. And that is the human nature that sells everything and everyone and motivates and drives productivity so whenever something's going on that you're like god i still have to deal with this yes you still have to deal with this but how can you stay focused on what you really what your desires are and what you really want out of life rather than sitting in the depths of focusing on the pit of despair yeah right (laughs) we've all been there I mean, when they talk about relationships, people say, see the good in that person rather than picking on all the negatives. It's the same thing with what your example is. Yeah, things are rough, but what can I look at that's more positive than the negative that I can look at, too? I mean, it sounds like pop psychology, but, you know, things may seem like um, they've been said and done, but it's for a reason because they make sense. And it's the fundamental truth, I think. And it's a gradation. Yes. It's not a light switch. No, so it's what you're really saying is not. happiness is in the light switch. I either am happy or I am not mm-hmm. happy. It is a realization of where I'm at right now and accepting if things are not um, the best that I've ever experienced, maybe, but they're, but that I can be choose to be one step happier. I think that those words are important that you're using there Absolutely. that isn't I'm choosing to be happy. Mm-hmm. It's not about just white, you know, nope. putting a wash over and just nope. saying, "Nope, I'm just going to smile and I'm all happy." Trust me, I'm all fine because that's so not so fake, real, right? right? That's yeah. totally fake. And nobody, nobody resonates with that. No person. Authentic. You have to be authentic. And you can still acknowledge, like, "Yeah, this sucks." 
absolutely. <laughs> this this moment sucks, but I can be, I can see a, a, a way to find some moment of happiness. And everything you just said, Javez, is about choice, right? And that fundamentally is about being in control. So the work I do and what I look at for people is, are you in control of your life, of going to work every day as what one fundamental part of it. What if That's it feels like thing. everything's out of right. your control? So, you know, what, what does pop culture call that? The victim mentality. Call it whatever you want. But I want people to wake up every morning and know that they have a choice. So you can wake up and look at it as incremental shades of happiness. Um, so X happened to you. Are you going to sit and brood over that and give someone else control over you? And that really fundamentally what I found from my research and from working with people is lack of responsibility. We don't want to take responsibility for the good, the bad, or the ugly. So we allow others to take responsibility for us because we won't stay in control. And that's really not fair, right? My number one value is fairness. And so I say to my clients, if you are not willing to take responsibility, then you're giving control to somebody else. And that's not fair to you. And it's really not fair to them because they don't want to have to control you because they don't want to be responsible for you. So responsibility and happiness, absolutely, you get a choice. And that is so empowering because I've woken up and I still do. You think I'm perfect? Far from it. I wake up most mornings and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got this and that and that. I'm like, okay, you have a choice. That just sounds like somebody else is in control of your entire day. And that sucks. I don't want that for myself, right? And it's not easy. It's hard. I mean, you think any of this stuff is easy? No. Well, I mean, but it's not easy either way. Either it, way. It really isn't. And I think that's a, the misconception is that if I give, quote unquote, give up control, that then all of a sudden it's easy because I'm no longer having to be in control. It's and not though, because other people aren't going to want to take the control, like you said, because they don't want the responsibility. And then you're not, you're haphazardly getting like knocked around by whatever whims are happening out in the world. And that's not any easier than you being in control, which is also not easy, but maybe it's okay for us to just say, it's not that it's too hard. It just is what it is. And you get a choice. That's a perfect way of putting it really. And then when people are given a choice and they, and you know, people, we all choose Differently than we wish we had. Let's just put it that way, right? I make plenty of choices during the day. Like yesterday, I just kept on eating. And I'm like, Kathy, this, this is okay. You're making this choice. But at the end of the night, I'm like, boy, I wish I'd chosen differently. I use different words. Let's put it that way. I was not happy with myself. <laughs> but it's a choice, right? However, um, by making those choices, you're putting yourself a little bit and a little bit, a little bit ahead of where you were yesterday. And then you can actually make a bigger choice, which is to start not only just taking responsibility and control, but then standing up and voicing those things that seem to go against your values. So we often look at people's values. You know, I've mentioned my number one value, fairness. Um, and that's what we find really empowers people. So I would love it if you said all of the, the kids you're in touch with were clear on their values. Mm. And will the adjectives change for your values? Of course they will. You can call right, it whatever you want. So your you values want. can change over time. I think they deep don't have down intrinsically, like my fairness value won't change, but it could be called fairness. It could be called integrity. It could be called a lot of things. But you don't okay. have to like have like, this is it and I'm calling it this forever. Sure. Just play around with it, right? Discovery. Discovery, yeah, absolutely. If you haven't tried yet. 
give it a give it a give it a go and see if what what would I want my values to be and then try them on for a while. Absolutely. I tried to be a hipster once a long time ago for like a month <laughs> and it didn't work out. I don't even think that the kids listening to this, if they are, even know what a hipster is. Fun. You can call it fun. Fun. Why I, not? I suppose, right. Yeah. I mean, but then that opens up a whole different world for you, right? It puts you in control. So I'm calling it fun. And what does fun me look like versus hipster me? Well, now I get to recreate that and be in control of that. Isn't that fun? Right. So. No, that's awesome. It, it, you know, it, makes me think that I don't have to be worried. Control isn't about whether I choose to be somewhere at 930 because I have an appointment. That's not about like, yes, I could, I guess, go against my own values and not show up and, and just blow it off or whatever. But control is about how I choose to view things more Absolutely. than it is about what it is that is happening. Because some things are out of my control. Your mother's illness is out of your control. But you have... A choice. Of... I have a... And, you know, and that's really why the tagline on my business is choose a new perspective. Because at the end of the day, the same situation can be viewed differently. And you get a choice of your mindset, of how you're going to look at it. That, again, cliche, the glass is half full. It's cliche because it's said often, but it's said often because it's true. And i I, I, that comes from my dear friend Marianne Williamson. It's cliche because it's said often, but it's said often because it's true. Is the glass half full or half empty? What is your new perspective today? Because your number one goal should be to be content and be happy because then you're in control. When is a time in your life that you hadn't quite yet discovered that you could do that, that you could choose to do that? Well, and let... then you, you did it and you were like, oh my gosh. Well, let me clarify. I'm always in that process, right? I've discovered it, but discovering it and doing it are two different things. So what I preach, I am always practicing. And nine times out of 10, I could be doing it better. Okay. So by no means. Um, but there's been lots of instances in my life where, uh, so for instance, this thing with my mother. So I remember my mother had, um, this is before her illness was diagnosed, but she had a fatal accident where she was hit by a car as a pedestrian. So I was in the ICU with her. She was in the ICU for two weeks. And I remember a moment where I was sitting there. This is the first time I really experienced this. And the nurse came in and she was trying to move my mom because she had to move her so she wouldn't get bed sores. And my mom started screaming at the top of her lungs because the pain was so profound. I mean, she'd literally been hit by a truck. Like that, <laughs> anyway, and I just sat there and my hearing my mother scream was so disturbing to me. And I'm, what are, what are you going to do? Flee the room? I guess I could have walked out, but I wanted to be there and support her. And so I thought, okay, let's practice this. They say at any moment I can choose to be happy wherever I'm at. This is fundamentally one of the worst moments from my five senses that I can encounter, not just from emotionally, from my heartstring being pulled, but and I'm also like, I can't help at all because I'm not a nurse. I can't support anybody other than just to sit here and hold space. So I literally closed my eyes and I thought, let me think about something that makes me happy. And I did. And in that moment, I kid you not, I was happy, however way you want to define that. I was not hearing her screams. I was 
in a moment of clarity, I was at peace and I was good with everything. And I thought, oh my Lord, this is what they're talking about. That if I can choose to be happy in a moment as awful as this, then everything else should be cake, truly. So that was the first time I experienced that. It was fleeting. It lasted mm, 10, 15 seconds. That was good enough for me to like really become a believer that, wow, I could choose at any moment to see the situation differently. You separated yourself from the moment. You chose to say that you could have walked out, but you didn't. Help me understand where you see the difference. Between staying and leaving? So that's just who I am. Um, My sister always says that about me. She's like, you just don't give up, right? So... I believe that we all come into this world for a purpose, and my purpose in this life is not to have an easy life necessarily, but it's to make a difference, and I think I truly start with myself, so I've never taken the easy way out. I'm an immigrant, right? It's just fundamentally the nature of an immigrant, I think, that our, and but I think everyone's an immigrant to this country, truly. I, I mean, I've had people tell me that, um, but in that moment... Um, Giving up, giving in is just not an option because it's too, it's not just that it's too easy. It doesn't leave an impact. I don't grow from that. That's really why I call myself a growth expert. Growth is not about the numbers and the books. I mean, as a securities lawyer, I used to draft those prospectuses and I could tell you all that stuff. But on paper, that growth falls flat if people aren't growing to stimulate the growth that leads to the monetary growth and the whatever, however else we choose to measure growth, which used to be all I did day in and day out as a securities lawyer. So I choose to grow. And and I, you said you, you took a moment to put yourself into a space where happiness was, uh, however you wanted to find an, an incremental step towards happiness was an available option. And then you were able to put yourself into a, a step forward and to be, another layer forward on happiness not light switch but just a step forward and then in that moment in time as it was fleeting and it was you know a short amount of time and then you had to come back to present to the room that you were in um, with your mother and what did you gain how did it impact you to have that time where you were moving towards happiness I gained um, my second value, which is faith. I really learned to trust that this is not all about me. And the thing is, I think we choose to trust ourselves versus trusting whatever you want to call it. Just a higher universal source. Call it God, call it source. Even if you're an atheist, you can believe that there's something that's working fundamentally for you that takes care of you and that you're not dealing with everything by yourself. Cause I think that's the thing, you know, people say, well, I can, I can do this great. But if you just believe that there's a whole lot of good out there, that's also pushing for you, it makes life a lot more manageable and happier. Right? So in that moment, what I did was I just, just really started I I didn't actually even pray. I just connected with what I felt was a higher 
being sense of source people call it the light whatever you want to call it 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 wasn't anything that I couldn't access though and it was extremely empowering so in that moment what I got was clarity that I am way more powerful than I know because if in that moment I can drown that out actually it wasn't drowned out let me rephrase that it was it was there it was simultaneously happening and I learned, wow, I can put my faith in something else carrying me through difficult situations. And so is that formal religion? No, I'm not necessarily religious. I just, whatever the word spiritual means to people, I don't even know what that means anymore. It's become so cliche. I just choose to believe. Which means it's true. Huh? Which (laughs) Which means means it's true, true. right? (laughs) I just choose to believe that every day there's more good to be had in my life than bad. If that makes me Pollyanna, I'll take it because I think Pollyanna died a happy woman and I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I love the idea that we all go through really tough moments in time and taking a piece of that moment to step into a realm of trying to grab onto and move towards a little bit of happiness can have a profound impact on how you view that time, how you interact in that space and what the outcome of that overall experience is going to be. And oftentimes I feel like we forget that we are allowed to do that. Absolutely. And you know why I think we forget that we're allowed is because growing up, all of that's been kind of drowned out of us. We're numb, Hmm. you know, Uh, you were talking about why people aren't present. And I I think over coffee, I raised my example to you that every time I go up to order a cup of coffee, I always say the same thing. I'll take a small, medium, large, whatever, tall, grande, venti, whatever, wherever I am. Coffee, no room to go. 100% of the time, they look up at me and they go, did you want room with that? No. And then, did you want that to go over here? I'm like, I just literally said all that. People aren't <laughs> present to yeah. it. So um, it's critically important that we learn as, as from a younger perspective. Parents, please don't try to teach your children to be numb is all I can call it. Because we think that that's how we're supposed to be as we grow. And that numbness takes away all our desire. That takes away all our belief in life and that we can be anything. I mean, I love the word imagination. I try to do it now, you know? Um, but I remember when we were kids, my girlfriend and I had a cosmetic company. It was called The Face Place. And we had, and we were like 10. What do we know about business? But now that I look back on that and I still know her, we laugh. We're like, we were pretty good capitalistic, you know, seeking people. I would, we figured things out, right? <laughs> it was all from our power of our imagination. And it would, it's, but it instilled a lot of desire and fun. And it made life work living. And as we grow, parents who are doing the best they can, because that's what they've seen, are like, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't think that. That's silly. Why would you think you could become Superman? But I look at little boys and they're like, I'm Superman. and I'm Wonder Woman. And I'm like, that's really cool. Sure you are. Why not? Who's to say you're not? Like, who sets these ridiculous rules that then tell people that they have to shut up later on in life, which is where I was going earlier. Once you start owning your values and your control and you're responsible and you get a choice in being happy, then you can voice your opinion in a kind and rational way with deep sentiment that's based off of passion because you can be Superman. Why not? 
that then allows people to really hear you. And then you can speak up for your values and speak up for those people that have no voice, choose to have no voice. And that then becomes really why I do what I do. Awesome. I love that. If you were to step back into the classroom as a sophomore in high school mm, this I fall, that year. what would you hope it would look like or feel like or be like if, if you were starting coming right up here in September? It's a great question. I would hope it would feel like a safe space where kindness was the number one thing that was taught where we were taught that fundamentally we're all equal and to just be nice to each other frankly it brings tears to my eyes i'm glad this is not on video but i just remember it, it's they say kids are cruel i don't really believe that we're we're born really innocent and sweet i think we see and we're taught that there's differences and when we see that then that creates separation in people and we lose our sense of identity identifying with one another and appreciating the differences in people and look developing people's brands that's the number one thing i say Find your uniqueness, find your difference, own it, and appreciate someone else's because that actually makes them complimentary to you. So when you succeed, they succeed. When they succeed, you succeed. And that's all about this cycle of kindness. And so when you grow up and go into business, I don't know how many times people have told me, oh, you're too kind in business. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm so worried about you that you think that's like a bad thing. Like what's going on? So I would hope my sophomore year, I'd walk in and I'd see people that were open to trying new things, that a curriculum doesn't have to be just one way, recognizing that people learn differently, that people come from homes with very different experiences are placed on them, that one sophomore is different from another sophomore because of all that, and that we respect those differences and that we're not trying to turn everyone into the same thing. And now that's a tall order because I get that you're also in an institution where you're trying to pass on information and do it in an orderly manner. But maybe we should just embrace disorder, frankly. I just always remember like everything had to be a certain way and these teachers were losing their minds because kids are like having fun. So what would happen if in education there was disorder and that was embraced? Like, well, If we were all being kind to each other, that might actually work. Exactly, right? People wouldn't speak out and raise their hand or not raise their hand and yell. And they wouldn't kick each other because there would be a different foundation to come from. There would be no need for that. And I really see that as adults too, right? We put in all these rules and institutions and oh, we go into prison reform forever from this conversation. There's not enough time in the world. But, you know, it, frankly, like, why is all that there? Because we've lost our grounding and we tend to think everyone has to be managed. And that goes back to control, right? Mm, wonderful. Kati, thank you so much for You're joining welcome. us today. It's Thanks been for fantastic. having me. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to 26.1. I hope you enjoyed the interview. We have some amazing interviews lined up. We have an interview with Ginny Benneke, who's an executive from AT&T and some other major corporations. We have Jack Berkman, who's an executive at a PR firm, an agency that he founded, and some amazing communication skills. And Jason McCann, the CEO of Veridesk, is going to be on some of the upcoming episodes. So please do stay tuned. Subscribe to our episode on iTunes. Stay in touch, stay in the loop, stay involved, share the messages. Let's get out there and help these students get over the finish line. My name is Jabez Labrette, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of 26.1.